Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I did comedy for three years before I won a show called Last Comic Standing. So you don't get a lot of chances to bomb when the majority of your career has been when your career started basically on television and then as a headliner. You don't have those opportunities because there's too much pressure. Hi, this is Christoph Triumph saying welcome to the 41st episode of Varvet International. Hey, I'm 41 too. Fantastic. Congratulations, podcast. Well, congratulations, person. As Joni Mitchell sings in Big Yellow Taxi, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And it's so funny or interesting that sometimes you don't even notice something before it stops. I just came back from a holiday in Greece, a week during which I didn't use a computer and I erased all social media apps from my phone. And to me, that was just like that noise suddenly disappearing. Someone asked me how long it took me to stop missing it, but truth is, I never did. Now it's a week or two later and I'm back on all those platforms, but that week made me realize that I need to focus more. In order to be able to make really good interviews, I need to be influenced more in between them. And what I'm trying to say is I need to do less to be able to do stuff better. Therefore, next year, this podcast will be coming out, I don't know, three times? Six? Twenty-three? We'll see. If someone out there has an idea, a very big pile of money or something, I'm all ears because in the best of worlds, I do this once a week, but I can't do it anymore. I don't have time, I can't afford it, and so forth. But hey, there's a big back catalog, great interviews that I've done before. I still have episodes to put out there, and I still want to live in the US at some point. So, Well, keep in touch, dear listeners. I just don't know exactly how much right now, but you can follow me on Twitter. I'm VarvetPod there to keep in touch. I get a sip of liquor. It sends a message to my party goblin that it's time to do it. The second I taste liquor, it wakes her up. She smells it in my brain. She's like, huh? Vodka. Top shelf. You need to rage find the door guy ask him if he has drugs do not specify see what he comes up with now i'm going to show you what happens when a cheek peck meets the intention of a mouth kiss all girls love pinterest pinterest porn for white women we love it We get into it. You get in these like creative downward spirals of just like pinning, pinning pictures of Channing Tatum. Like pin, 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 pin it. I can do it, man. 
I'm gonna be on them. I put time and effort into these breakups. You put time and effort into dating me. I'm going to return said time and effort plus interest. It's a very good ROI on that breakup, okay? Every girl's got that one body part she knows is better than any other girl, yeah? Maybe it's your forearm. Maybe all night you're like, fuck, yeah. Uh, yeah. Girls hate being cold. We hate it. It's chilly. But we love cold weather. When we applied to be girls, went to the girl counter, and they hold your girl card up, and they go, what's your favorite season? And you go, it's fall, motherfucker. And they're like, all right. Here's your girl card. Here's your Uggs. Here's your glitter. Go have fun. Be insecure. That's what being a girl's about. Yeah, But enough about me, let's talk about Eliza Schlesinger. She was born in 1983 and she has been a working comedian since then. No, perhaps not, but she's closing in on 10 years now. She won Last Comic Standing in 2008. Actually, to this date, she's the only woman in history to have won that. And ever since, she'll tell you in a while, she's been a touring headlining comedian. And recently, her second comedy special came out. It's called Freezing Hot. And if you are a Netflix subscriber here in Sweden, you can actually catch it there. As well as her last special from 2012 called War Paint. We'll get to the interview in a second. I just wanted to say that we'll mention Ron Funches in a while. He's a hilarious comedian with a Varvet International episode coming up. So look him up on YouTube or something in the meantime. That being said, here's Eliza Schlesinger. Roll the tape, please. It's the blonde hair. People don't think Jews can have blonde hair. There's so many of us can There's two kinds of Jews. I don't know if you know this. There's Sephardic Jews and there's Ashkenazi Jews. Ashkenazi Jews are the ones that look like you and I do. Like they're from like Western Europe and then, or sorry, Eastern Europe or whatever. And then Ashkenazi Jews, I'm sorry, Sephardic Jews are the ones from like the Mediterranean. They're like the darker ones. You talk very fast. I do. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm going to follow every, okay. everything you say, but uh, I'll try. I'll try to talk slower. Very good. Okay. But you don't have to sort of... I won't make you sound deaf. I won't make it sound like I'm, you know, trying to like, even though that doesn't help when you're deaf, you just can't hear. But uh, it's a, a criticism of mine my whole life. I always talk very fast. How come? Do you have siblings? I do, but it's not like a spotlight. I don't know. I don't even realize I'm talking fast. So that's, I never, never realized it. And then, so I think for my standup, my style became just fast talking. Just a lot of information to get out in a short period of time. Hmm. Maybe you should do a tour with Ron Funches and he would... He would, would even of, it out. Yeah, he would start, and then you could sort of have more comedians along the way, and then you would finish. Because you are fast-paced. So we he should do it in according to who's fast. So we go him, and yeah, then yeah. like a normal-sounding person, and then me. Yes. Okay. Or like the other way around. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to not headline my own tour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a Swedish podcast. Yes. But you are not Swedish. I am. Yeah. You are Swedish. Yeah. Okay. What's the show on Netflix that I watch? With, uh, oh my God, where he moves to, oh, Norway. He moves to Norway. Sorry, mm. not Sweden. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, Lil, Lil... Lilyhammer. Lilyhammer. Sorry, yeah. I know it's not the same culture, but your accent. Your mother so, is calling. I know. I'm not answering it. Okay. Because she's visiting me right now, and she's out buying stuff, and I don't, I don't have the answer for her. I have such a hard time, because I'm going home tomorrow, and I have such a severe shopping FOMO. Oh, really? Right now. Yeah. Do you feel that you're missing out on what my mom is doing? Well, I was, uh, I became curious now. Maybe she knows about a sale that I missed or something. 
What do you have to shop for? Uh, nothing really. I have everything, but you know, I have everything. <laughs> well, I have everything that I need. Are you just a shopaholic? Yeah, I guess. I like to buy things. I like to acquire them. Sometimes I'll buy outfits and I never even touch them. Sometimes I'll buy things just so no one else will have them. <laughs> I do that with you clothes. Do? Yep. Okay. If there's one left, like if I kind of like it, I'll be like, I'm going to take this so no one else gets it, which is horrible. Well, it's sort of fun, I guess. But do you have room for it? I'm running out of room. Not like a hoarder kind of thing, but I buy a lot of tank tops and t-shirts. It's all that I wear, so... I read a very interesting quote about, uh, that you said, something about the society made you feel like you should work out and then you couldn't show it off. Do you oh. know what this is? I don't know. the. I mean, it might have been from my Twitter, but it's sort of the idea. I mean, I don't know how culture in general, society in general, but I can really only speak to American culture. We have this thing where we love an underdog. Americans were the underdogs for so long, so it's sort of inculcated in our culture that we like an underdog we have makeover shows like our reality tv is sort of based on the german idea of schadenfreude where you like to look at other people's pain so we have a show where you take someone who's homely or there's something quote-unquote wrong with them you know and we make them over because we want to see we want to raise people up but then the second you don't need us to raise you up and you can stand on your own two feet we very much like to tear people down So a great example of that is, you know, any time a woman is proud of her body or shows it off, then it's, oh, what a bitch. Oh, she's too cocky. Oh, she's just showing off. And it's like, well, why not? You told me to be this way. And now I'm a bitch because I'm not insecure. So I think it's this odd mind trick that we play on women to kind of keep them sort of imbalanced, I guess, and sort of make sure that they're always vulnerable and we can always sell them products. I think there's like this huge conspiracy going on. And it's not very much of a conspiracy. It's quite open, sure. I would say. Yeah. I don't think people realize it, though. And I think, you know, it starts with how you're raised. Some people, you know, their mothers teach them that women are the enemy or you should hate a woman because she's pretty. My mom never did that. So I don't look at attractive women and hate them because they're attractive. I look at them and I think, oh, I'll never look that hot. But I certainly don't hate them. But I think we're... We like to make women the evil ones, the bad guys in our society. So I try to make that buck stop with me because I don't think it's a good thing to perpetuate, I guess. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of terrible women out there. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, okay, it's been like this for a long time with the, with the sort of media picture of how someone should be with right. women. But it doesn't feel like – because men have sort of had – an easier time but it's sort of getting it's not getting better for women it's getting worse for men as well i mean everyone's especially with social media like your enemies and your fans are so are so much they're ever present they're so much closer so you're always they can scrutinize everything that you do i don't know i think it's just if you look at the there's like you have something like online bullying you know and i can really only speak to women because i i am a woman i'm sure it's bad for men too or god forbid you have red hair or you're different, you know, then people love to make fun of you. But I don't know. And I especially see it women just being mean to other women. Mm. So I go out of my way. I by a, no means am I a supermodel and I have plenty of, in, of things to be insecure about, but I just choose to air those out on stage and anything I'm secure about, I'm, I just see no reason to pretend that I'm not. The idea of being humble, you know, be humble about your money, your success, be confident. You don't have to be a jerk about it. 
But I think anytime a woman is like, yeah, I'm the best, then it's like, oh, what a bitch. I think a great example is Ronda Rousey, the MMA fighter. Yeah. She's great. She can back it up. And she's worked really hard. Why wouldn't she be – cocky is not the right word. But why wouldn't she be allowed to be demonstrative in her confidence? And yet people condemn that. But you don't get mad at male athletes when they're boisterous, you know? So I think that that's just something that needs to shift. I'm not sure that you have this here. But in my Swedish podcast – it sometimes have been voiced that you can't be too good looking if you're doing stand-up comedy because, well, people can't relate or something like that. Do you have that discussion here as well? Well, thank you. I was going to get to that. I I think that uh, for a long time that was the the notion, right? And because no women doing stand-up were attractive. And then slowly but surely, more and more women started doing it. And more and more women who were attractive started doing it. Now... When I look at my peers, like, they're all attractive. You don't have to be a shrinking violet, but more women are looking nice and not trying to look funny on stage. I personally still enjoy wearing T-shirts and sweatshirts on stage because even when you've got a whole career behind you and the balls to pull off your jokes, there is that stutter step where the audience, like, for a second doesn't know how to process you or how you look. I don't think you can be attractive. It might be difficult for a second, but if your fans are there, it doesn't matter. I will say, though, I remember I wore a pair of white tight jeans one time with, like, holes in them, and it, like, took the crowd a couple minutes to, like, get over the fact that I was wearing that. You put this hurdle between you and the crowd where they're distracted by one more thing. Okay. I choose not to because I want you to focus on what I'm saying, not how I look. So it just depends. It depends on the comic. But that notion is ridiculous. There's plenty of good-looking funny people. As I thought about that, I tried to come up with really good-looking men in comedy. And I didn't really... Well, in stand-up or in comedy? In stand-up. In stand-up? I mean, there are some. I mean, I don't know how many you know, and I'm I'm not going to rattle off comics that we don't know, but I think that for women, for the longest time, sense of humor is very attractive. Like, when a guy is funny, you're you're turned on, and you want to, like, be close to that person. For men, women being funny hasn't been a necessity for a very long time, and it's becoming something that they find attractive. But 50 years ago, that wasn't a thing you look for in women. Which is strange, but yeah. Which is strange, but women also didn't have a voice. Like, we're just getting, we're, even though we're the majority on the planet, we're still sort of treated like a minority, and we're still getting our footing in society. And so a man can be attractive if he's funny, and it's only becoming a thing now that a woman might be funny because she's attractive. It used to just be, oh, ugly girls were funny because that's what they had to do. But now it's not so much the case. How Angelino are you? Are, how am L- I? How LA are how you? Much, how LA am I? It depends who we're talking to. I think that Los Angeles is a very difficult place to make it. It's not a cultural mecca by any means. We're pretty much living in a third world country here. But in terms of entertainment, like this is where you go. This is where you go. If you want to be on a TV show or a movie, like this is where you come. Everybody knows that. And because of that, it's very competitive. Why do you say that it's culturally sort of a third? Oh, culturally, it's not a third world country. Just it is third world in that I think it's something like 38% of our population here. It's like 4.6 million or something ridiculous. No, 38% of our population is foreign born and doesn't speak English as a first language. Okay. There is a major disparity between upper class and the lower class. And you can see it driving down our streets. You get this sense here that you're like everyone's kind of like scraping to get by. And then you go up into the hills or you go to Beverly Hills and none of that stuff's around you. Yeah. A huge lower class population. 
huge education problems, huge, you know, so it's whatever. I'm not connecting the two. I'm not saying foreign born people are bad. That's what our country was built on. But, you know, you drive around L.A., it's gritty. And it's got some nice parts like any city, but our gritty parts are bigger. Mm. New York, it extends for a couple blocks. Here, it's like a couple neighborhoods. What was the point of that? What were we even saying? Oh, how lost I, how L.A. am I? So that being said, because it's so competitive to live here, like if you want to be an actor, you got to move to Los Angeles. You've got to live in a shitty pre-war apartment that has no AC. You've got to battle traffic because you're battling. Like literally everyone has a car here. Some mm. people don't have insurance. And everyone's driving everywhere. Our city can't – it literally is buckling. It's not literally. It is buckling under the the amount of people commuting. Like our roads can't handle it. So there's all these stresses coupled with the fact that everybody else is doing what you're doing. Coupled with the fact that most people here are absolutely insane. So you've got to sift through it and wade through who's crazy, who's out to get me, who's not, how do I make this happen? So it's highly competitive. And to be able to thrive in that environment I think is a special thing. And I think people are very quick to shit all over L.A. And I want to say, like, you couldn't do this. Like, I wear it as a badge of honor that I'm, like, a Los Angeles comedian. And there are the bad sides. Like, there are the bimbos with fake boobs and fake hair and they, you know, they're, like, in, that go to parties in the hills. But that's such a small percentage of what it is to be in L.A., but the stereotypes from, like, the 80s or from, like, you know, like the whole, like, beach bunny culture and everyone's dumb and everyone drives a nice car and does coke. I don't know. I think we're a good-looking group of people, and I think people are jealous of that. And, no, it's not a cultural mecca. You're not getting, like, a think tank here and people coming up with brilliant ideas. But, I don't know. I like having blonde hair. I don't really tan very well. I like being in shape. And I like going to a bar and knowing that, like, that's what I look like versus the other girls. And I, I don't mind the L.A. thing. I don't mind wearing big sunglasses and trying to drink almond milk and trying to do healthy things. I read somewhere you can't drink almond milk anymore. Oh, really? I think it's soy milk. No, but the uh, almond thing, it has to do with uh, water preservation. Oh, yeah. We got a huge drought happening. I had a moment with an ex-boyfriend. We both had the flu. And we went to go get some stuff to remedy that. So we're at this organic juice place getting these like cayenne pepper lemon shots in addition to a green juice. So that's a very L.A. thing. Juicing has become a thing that everyone does now, but that's very L.A. Like I'm going to get an organic juice and get like a shot. And we're both in leather jackets and we're driving to Whole Foods so we can buy gluten-free oatmeal and like soy milk to make because we couldn't – because the guy told us we couldn't have any dairy and any meat. And we're buying like all this – holistic sort of okay taking like a vegan approach to this cold and we're in these leather jackets and we both got sunglasses on and i'm like we are assholes (laughs) like i've become that if you told me 10 years ago like i'd be that girl but you know not hurting anyone and we look cool it's all about looking cool (laughs) i look super cool when i was sick (laughs) do you soul cycle i do not soul cycle i am not much for group things okay part of that is i mean look what i do for a living i'm a lone wolf I also, I don't have any problem working out alone. I don't have any problem with that discipline. And I think some people need it, some people don't. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're the kind of person who's played sports your whole life and you... And you did. I did, not well. But I still went to the, you know, I went to the practices. But so if you have that in you where you don't feel good if you don't work out, you know, it's kind of like part of your routine. What did you do uh, growing up? 
sports-wise? I played basketball like every other girl in the world, and I played softball like every other girl in the world. And then when I got to high school, I did lacrosse and I swam. Lacrosse? I, I'm not even sure what that what that's. It looks like hockey in the air. Like you have a, a stick with a net on the end of it. Okay. It's a Native American sport, really popular in like the northeastern part of America. Native American meaning like they started it. I think they used to play it with human skulls. It oh, might have well, been an Aztec cool. thing. Yeah. It's a very aggressive sport. And they still make you wear a skirt. But so that's it. So if you grow up doing that kind of thing, and you know, you will never regret having gone to the gym. So if it becomes part of your routine, what is it? What do they say? It takes three days to form a habit or something. There's like a certain amount of time where once you start doing it, it becomes. So that's it. So it depends on what you want, right? Like I'm not, I'm not training for anything, but you seem pretty tall from what I can see from your sitting and pretty, you're not fat. So probably don't need to go well if i don't stay away from talente i'm gonna be yeah it's gonna get gross i hope that talente uh, hears this and sponsors the show i love that i had talente in my head and i was like i wonder what ice cream he's gonna say and i love that that's the one you said yeah because it's the best flavor thank you yeah i would like to talk to you also about confidence i i guess you you sort of have been discussing that before but that confidence that you sort of i mean it's highly unusual in a way that you are so confident on stage and Uh-oh. i've been on stage a few times myself are you a comic uh, should i know this i dabble in the arts are you a big swedish comic and i don't know it no is I'm that not. so bad that i'm asking it no okay. no okay i have done perhaps 32 gigs okay yeah <laughs> such a weird number i know 32 32 <laughs> my english is really off as well no it's I'm, not thank you but yeah i'm not sure why you speak english better than most people than, that have lived in los angeles their entire lives okay thanks but anyway the confidence okay how did you achieve it sort of there's What's a series the- of pills i take yeah regularly okay. must take them at noon i don't know i just i did it never even occurred to me not to be confident i think to say like confidence means like i look in the mirror and i'm like you're good enough you can do it i think it's about just sort of recognizing when you're good at something we're talking about stand-up right yes i don't know i think it just i think for the longest time people were used to women being such shrinking violets and coming out there and being meek and kind of apologizing and that's its own sort of look but i believe that you are on stage you're an exacerbated version of who you are in real life so it, it should be very similar and I've just never, I've just never been that girl. I get nervous. I, there are, I get nervous around certain people. You know, I've walked into a room and been like, I don't belong here before. But it really is a conversation you have to have with yourself. You know, like, how long are you going to let this go on? You know, and the truth of the matter is nobody knows anything, especially in show business. So to ever walk into a room like you don't fucking own it or like you don't belong there, you're only doing a disservice to yourself. That being said... There are plenty of times I don't feel great about myself. There are plenty of times I've gone on stage after just having cried or I felt fat that day. But if you don't have confidence or if you're not being true to yourself on stage, the audience can smell it, you know? And it would do me no... It never occurred to me to be anything other than I was on stage. And I think it just comes across that way. But how do you switch then if you are in a bad mood or... I genuinely enjoy being on stage. There's several... It's like a a several-pronged thought process. One... I'm there to do my job. I'm very lucky to get to do this for a living, a legitimate living, not I have three jobs, you know, and I I can't make ends meet. I could stop doing everything else today and just do stand-up and be very, you know, 
And there are so many people that want to do that, that have done it longer than me, that will never be able to do that. So to come on stage, and I, I don't condone this, but with a drink, to come on stage high, to come on stage and not give it 100%, those people, they came to see you. They took time out of their lives to drive to a comedy club, pay to park, pay for a two-drink minimum, pay for tickets. And some people don't have like a lot of disposable income. Like That could be their entertainment budget, you know? And they're taking time to support you. And what you're doing isn't necessarily altruistic. Like what you're, It's not a philanthropic endeavor. I'm up there to make you laugh so I feel good, so I make a lot of money. <laughs> it's gross. So to not give the audience the respect of putting on the best show you can, or if it's a smaller show, to not try to learn something for yourself, to not try to learn something from that set, you're doing a disservice to both of you. I always feel that way. I always... I'm judging them, but I would never, I don't care if they do it or not. When comics, you got a seven minute set and they bring a drink on stage. I'm like, fucking pay attention. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to that crowd. You're not Ron White. You don't need it for timing. Like, you're not that good. So. Who's Ron White? He's a, he's a, he's very funny. He's a, they have a tour called Blue Collar Comedy. And he kind of, if, if a, if a slave owner had a look in 2015, it would look like Ron White. And he's, he's a good-looking guy. He's got, like, long hair. But he, he has, like, a drink on stage. But part of the timing of his set is he takes a sip of it, and it's very built into the act. Okay. My point is, you're not that. You got eight strong minutes. Don't bring your beer on stage. Don't be drunk. But what's weird is our job in entertainment, like, I could have shown up here stoned out of my mind, and that would have been okay because we're entertainers. You could be stoned, and I'd be like, well, that's how he operates, you know? Like, we're yeah. allowed. I think it's important to, to take it seriously, if not even for the crowd, for you. You took the time to get dressed and go there. May as well get something out of that set. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you do still bomb sometimes. or I mean, there's there's bombing, and then there's, like, that wasn't my favorite set. I'm not bragging. Like, I've never bombed. It's never been like it is in the movies where they throw things at you or they're heckling you. I've had sets that weren't my favorite, but I've never... I don't think you could ever see me do a set and be like, wow, she has no idea what she's doing, you know? And part of that is, I don't know. Other comics might not agree, but I've never... Part of it is also, I did comedy for three years before I won a show called Last Comic Standing. So you don't get a lot of chances to bomb when the majority of your career has been... When your career started basically on television and then as a headliner. You don't have those opportunities because... There's too much pressure. So it's a real sink or swim kind of decision. <laughs> But I know that you sort of try new material on stage as well. Sure. How do you work that into the set? Do you sort of start with the... It's so funny. I never think about any of this. I just, I just do it. I think there's different sets. Like tonight, I'll go to the improv, a smaller show. All right. Those sets are for me to grow. Like those sets are for me to bring out some paper and, and try new stuff. That being said, if I walk into the improv and it's packed... You know, you sprinkle in the new stuff. Yeah. You don't go out there with totally untested stuff. All that being said, part of having the gift of being funny, which as cheesy as that sounds, is kind of having a hunch about what's going to work. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's kind of knowing that the audience will respond to you using the number 12 instead of the number 58, you know, kind of responding to the fact that they might like this and having an idea. It's like being an artist. Like you see the picture in your head. You have to execute it. Has it been like that all along? I think so. I mean, obviously, you get better and better at executing it, and you learn a lot about yourself. I had like a two-year hiatus from stand-up, and then I went on stage just now, and mm -hmm. I, I did some old stuff that sort of I still thought was funny, and then I tried some new bits as well. But 
And this was highly unusual for me, that I didn't really know what to do with it. I just had an idea. It's, it's just kind of like there, like just kind of like yeah, hanging there. Yeah, I, I can take an example that I had an idea about lesbians being sort of superior to <laughs> everybody else because they sort of have understood everything. Okay. They don't have to deal with men, which seems to be the worst. The root of all people's problems. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Sort of. <laughs> And uh, I just went out there on a limb. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Sort of and I didn't pull it off because I'm not that experienced, but Can it be that vague for you as yes. well? Yeah. You go out there on like a smaller show or every comics process is different. I know people who have done like specials where they do brand new material. It really depends on you. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just everybody works differently. And there's something to be said for improv. You just throw lines in there here and there. But I'll go on like I'm trying to think like I have a bit about the Food Network and I've been doing the bit for a while. I know the bit is good. It's got some kinks, but like that's a solid bit that I happily do in front of people. And the other day, the word gooseberry popped into my head. And it made me think of, and I want to say she was maybe even Swedish, but they had the chef on one of the shows. Do you have Food Network in Sweden? Uh, I, I'm sure we do, but it's not a big thing. But you know of it. Yeah. Like competition yeah. cooking yeah. shows. One of the perks of being an American is everyone knows about your TV. Yeah. And there was this bit and. The objective of the show was they give you this crazy ingredient and you have to utilize it in the dish. And this chef, she was definitely a lesbian. She was definitely a weirdo. I swear there's something weird about her. She took the gooseberry and she didn't do anything with it. It's got the gooseberry has like a leaf wrapped around it and she just set it on the plate. And the judges were like, "Why didn't you use the gooseberry?" And she gave this like bullshit explanation, which I think in her mind was legitimate, but hearing it, she's like, "I wanted you to Really, just explore the gooseberry and understand the gooseberry and just play with it and open it. And we're like, and I just, as an invested viewer, I just picture me sitting on my couch, like maybe even drunk, just with friends being like, you better do something with that gooseberry. Like just, you know, and so the phrase, you better do something with that gooseberry in that tone with that inflection to me is very funny. And I don't have, right. And you, so in your head, you get that. Now it might not be, it might just, you know, but that's for, like your lesbian joke. Like to me, that part's just kind of dangling. Like I have the set and I got to weave that in so that once I've done the punchline for the original joke, I'm not like, and another thing, this other chef, you know, you almost want to yeah. find a way to weave it in. But all I had in my head was, you better do something with that gooseberry. And even the word gooseberry is funny in and of itself. Even yeah, you just yeah. said it. So it's, there's a mechanics to it. There's syntax, there's timing, there's a science to it. And there's many, many, many formulas. Yeah. So. 
People have told me now over and over again that it takes 10 years to sort of master the art of stand-up comedy. Yes. I'm not sure that that's true, but you're closing in on 10 years, right? About 10 years. I started, it's almost 10 years. Somewhere this year would be 10 years, which is weird. You can't master it. It's art. Yeah. It's subjective. Yeah. You can only understand yours. I mean, the amount that I've grown between the special I just had and the last special, exponential. So all you can do is really get introspective and look at yourself and be inspired by things. And, you know, you have sort of an obligation, at least I feel I do, the more I grow to actually say something substantial versus when you first start, it's just fun little observations, self-deprecation. My family's foreign. This is what's weird. I'm yeah. stoned. Dating is hard, you know? Mm. And if you keep doing that, if you don't grow as an artist, if you don't evolve, you see it with singers, you see it with actors, You have to evolve. You have to always be digging deeper. Why am I saying what I'm saying? It's one of Bill Hicks' comedy rules. Like, why are you saying what you're saying? Yeah. And you're allowed to skate by for a little bit because you have an inkling of that talent. But eventually, if you just, you know, if you're 46 and you're still putting out jokes about, I'm stoned with my buddies, do like the same jokes you were doing when you were 22, some people might not notice, but those who care about the craft of it, which are not many, they'll notice that. It's all about what kind of artist you are you and do you want to be. Do you have any pilots going on? <laughs> I wrote a pilot for ABC last year, and at the last minute, it did not. We didn't shoot it, but ABC has given me a web series, so I am writing that right now. Okay, so that will be cool. I'm working on another pilot. I'd prefer not to say who it's with because that's, I feel like it always sounds like you're lying. You're like, okay. Yeah, I'm doing this with Martin Scorsese. We're making a movie, but it's a pretty big person. Okay, it's Louis C.K. It's not Lucy Gay. It's a woman. And uh, we're going to write that and pitch it out. So that we'll, we'll figure out what that is in the next couple of months. We have our big meeting tomorrow. Okay. It's Amy Poehler. It's not Amy Poehler. <laughs> But are you a stoner? No. Have you ever been? No. I mean, I went to college. And anybody who smokes pot but doesn't want to talk about it, your saving grace is always, I never buy pot. So obviously I went to college and did that. You know, I don't plan on being president. I can say that. And even if I, well, maybe I do plan on being president and I have smoked pot. Yeah. I think it's weird. People are so prude about drugs, but I'm not a stoner. I'll smoke pot a couple times a year. My brother grows medical marijuana. He has a gigantic farm uh -huh, in okay. Northern California. Did you have a religious uh, upbringing at all? No. I went to, you guys have like no Jews in Sweden. You're all. We do. We do. I think there are like 20,000 of them. It's always uh, small. It's a very small minority, but it's sort of strong and influential. Sure. They probably came there like after World War II. Yeah. Well, you know, I could give you a brief history. When you're part of a group of people that have been continually persecuted throughout history and kicked out of every country, it's weird because the reason people don't like the Jews is because they rely on each other. They value education. And, and business and they will for the longest time would do the jobs no one else wanted and within that you know you build your own mini empires and then you have all the money and then they become the lenders and they are seen as evil nobody likes the rich you know so because Jews were industrious and could always make money people hated them so they get kicked out so it was the reason they were thriving was the reason they were getting kicked out but getting kicked out is what gave them sort of the wherewithal to thrive. Does that make sense? Mm. So, you know, the idea that Jews have tons of money is ridiculous. But, Jew, you know, it's Jews are the bankers. They are the, the money lenders. You know, that's been a thing. Not always. No one in my family does that. My dad is a financial advisor. But for me, so that's just like a, an interesting thing. So they're a close-knit community because nobody likes them, <laughs> which is unfair because they're not, of all the religions, you know, 
it's almost like an Eastern religion in that they don't proselytize. They don't go around trying to convert anyone. They don't kill anyone. You can mm. debate me that all you want, but it's not, you know, there's no suicide bombers that are Jewish, right? But growing up for me, I was, my, both my parents are Jewish. I had a bat mitzvah. I went to Sunday school, but uh, we didn't keep kosher. We didn't go to a temple on Shabbat on every Friday. None of that. And I always get, people always ask me, like, why don't you have any jokes about being Jewish or about Jews? Or, like, I'll get asked to do, like, Jewish benefits. And it's just not where I draw my humor from. So, like, I don't have funny Jewish stories about my crazy Jewish family because it, it just wasn't like that for me. Also, growing up in Dallas, Texas, like, yeah. it's not like it is in, like, New York City or something, you know? I was going to ask you about that because you got out of uh, Texas as soon as you could or... I, I didn't even think of it that way. I just I went to school in Boston. I just wanted to start my life. But I I think Dallas, Texas is a cool place. I think it's a good place to raise a family. Giant suburb. Nice. Does that mean that you at some point you plan on moving back? No, no. But I think people love to shit on where they're from. Like oh, I'm from the worst place or oh the suburbs. The more I live in the city of Los Angeles, the more I love the idea of the suburbs. Like everything's so easy. I go visit my dad, and it's like there's just free parking everywhere. <laughs> No traffic, stuff like that. So, but no, it's not once you've done this, you know, it's unless you have, a, I don't know. I just, I, I could not move back there. This is where you have to be. So, so it's where we'll be, I guess. For the rest of your life? I have no idea. Okay. It depends. How long do you plan ahead? I make good decisions, but there's no, nothing's in concrete. You know, like I'd like to have a late night show. Yeah. I'd like to be married with kids. But I think the moment you put a clock on it, like that's how you drive yourself crazy. And it's ridiculous. Like, you can't control any of that. I never even thought of it until just now. But, you know, you try to, I think for women especially, like, I need to be married by this age. And it's like, well, ideally, yeah, you don't want to have a kid after 43. But if it happens, it happens. You don't want to force anything. You don't want to settle. So make good investments, make good choices so that you have more options in the future. But never be like, if I'm not by the time, everybody does this thing when they're in their 20s. If I'm not married by the time I'm 30, like, that's the big number. Because it seems so far away. And then you turn 30 and you're like, well, I'm fine. I don't need to go marry that weirdo I promised myself to. Plus, he's already married. <laughs> I've hardly been to Texas. But is it as steak and a beer and Friday night lights as I think? Yes, it can be. Yeah, It depends on where you go. You know, that would be like someone asking if Sweden is like milkmaids and fjords and... I think I'm thinking of Holland, but sorry. No, well, the fjords are Norwegian. Sorry. I thought no, it was... it's okay that you mix it up. But you've got the the stereotypes. You know, like, we have stereotypes for a reason. But yes, it is it is like that. Dallas is a pretty cosmopolitan city. But if you go right outside of Dallas, people got accents. People got guns. People love their beer. Friday Night Lights is definitely a real thing. People love their football. People say things like, bless your heart, you know. There's a tonal difference. I see it when I go home. Do you still have an accent? I never had one. Okay. Both my parents are from New York, and I went to like a nice school. You tend to have an accent when your parents have one, and maybe the people around you. None of my friends do. Once in a while, if I get like real lazy, and I'm in Dallas on stage, but there's no... I think I say y'all sometimes. It's just kind of this like... A Dallas accent's like... It's like that. It's just a little... Think about George Bush, even though, I don't know, I think if it was a text, just it's just a little laid back. and just a little down in your throat. We're just trying to figure out an accent, yeah. that's all. <laughs> I like that. It's okay. Yeah. I always think of like a, 
not a like I was thinking of just like a housewife that's just kind of like seen it all. Like, yeah. I'm gonna wear that dress, and I don't care what you say. Who did that fantastically funny Connie Britton impersonation, where she was like she started out with a small, a regular. Oh, it was Amy. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. that was fantastic. That was a funny one, yeah. and that is, I mean. My high school wasn't like Friday Night Lights because I went to a small high school. But even within our small high school, like we took football very seriously. For some people, like that's your ticket out of where you are. So it just depends. I mean, but yeah, it's all real. When I used to go to camp in New York when I was a kid, I was like 15. All the kids in New York would ask me if I rode a horse to school. For real? They really thought that. Oh, okay. That's funny. It's become a standard question on this uh, trip to, to the U.S. Who's your 2016 president? Oh, my God. Well, we don't even have any of the nominations, so no one knows. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Okay. But still, Bernie Sanders? There could be a lot of hope with Bernie. I mean, people probably don't like the word socialist, you know, so that scares people. But I think people want new ideas. That being said, you know, Hillary Hillary Clinton seems like a, a favorite, a forerunner. The idea of Donald Trump is so horrific. And I appreciate that he tells it like it is, but he hates women. Yeah. And I think honesty is good, but I don't think undoing all that's been done is productive. I'm not totally against the idea of a Republican. I'm not even signed up for a party. I think aligning yourself with a party is just, you're just discounting so many ideas. There's no way I could be totally in line with someone else. So I don't know. There's so many, like we just had our, our debates for all the Republicans. And even with that, there's like an undercard of like 10 people who aren't the front runners. So I, I don't know. And I haven't heard the, the Democrats yet. And there's so much research to be done. But do you take it seriously? I mean... I think you have to. Yeah. I do the best I can. I mean, it's a lot of information, a lot of opinions, but you have such a... I mean, I love my country so much, and you have such a privilege as a voter. It's not a right. Like, it's a privilege. Like, granted, it's, you know, everybody has the right to vote, but some countries don't have that right. So I look at it as a privilege versus a right, and I think to not take that privilege seriously, I think you're doing a disservice to your country. MTV had a whole campaign trying to get young people to vote. It was called Rock the Vote. And I I hated the idea. It was a while ago. But, like, the idea that we just say, like, get out there and vote. No. Don't. That's like saying, that's just basically taking just to take. Like, that's saying, here's a bowl of candy. Just eat as much as you can. No. Educate yourself. Whoever you pick, fine. But make an informed decision. You know, don't just do it because you can. Mm -hmm. I think that does more damage than anything. And I don't think people do that. But... I think people are disenchanted, and I don't think you know young people don't want to vote because it's boring. Politics are boring, but the older you get, the more you know it affects you. Social Security, you're paying for that for other people. How do you want to pay for that? Your retirement, foreign policy, what countries you invested in, stuff like that. So you know, find a candidate that you think you like. Just do a little bit of research, but I don't know. It's scary, especially in LA. The tone here, everyone is heavily liberal, and to even have a conversation entertaining anyone that might be right-winged, like, you're almost blacklisted. Like, you're labeled as, like, a gun-toting, right-wing, Second Amendment-loving, pro-life asshole. And it's just ridiculous. They always say, like, when you're younger, you're a liberal, and when you're older, like, financially, you're a Republican. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to give your money away. So it just depends. I just think it's hard to have that conversation in L.A. because everybody everybody likes to act like, oh, my God, I just, I'm colorblind, and I just want to help everyone. And it's like, yeah, for sure, but... There's so many sides to it. I just had uh, Heather McDonald here. Mm-hmm. She said hello, by the way. Hey, Heather. And She's great. Uh, yeah, and she didn't admit it, but she was 
totally a Republican. Sure. And she's afraid to because here, like, people think you're a witch. Now, I'm not registered for either of them, and I did vote for Barack Obama. But, like, people, yeah, they they don't like you if you do that because it looks like you're racist, you know, or something like that. And it, it depends on how you grew up and what your values are, and everyone's entitled. Liberals are the angriest group of people if you don't agree with them. You notice all of our – everything's always making fun of the Republicans because a lot of them are idiots, but – well, don't make fun of Obama. Then you're racist. You know, there's a lot of those like weird caveats. But yeah, something that you should, you, you owe it to your country. I do believe it's a country that for all, all the things wrong with it, like it does provide a lot and it's a good country. And like, you don't want to see it all go to shit because you're, you know, even if you're a single issue voter, which I think that's a little myopic to be that way. But I don't know, vote for what means something to you, I guess. Right. Speaking of tax, what do you spend money on? Well, I just bought a house. So I spent a lot okay. of money on that. Congratulations. Here in uh, in just, Hollywood? Yeah, just up the street. Okay. And I spent a lot of money renovating it. So that hurt. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of like... Is that a real Louis Vuitton <laughs> bag? This is a real Louis Vuitton bag, which I actually never carry. But I just flew in this morning from being out of town. And I couldn't find my normal bag, which is just like a brown leather bag. And I need it. And this is the only one I had. This is real. I don't believe in fake I don't believe in purchasing any item of luxury unless that is your lifestyle. Yeah. Because I don't understand what you're trying to convey otherwise. That being said, this was a gift that I got from a boyfriend in France a long time ago. Okay. I don't carry Louis Vuitton if you couldn't buy your own. That's what I think. I spend money on, I buy a, I eat out a lot. I like to go out to dinner. Yeah, you sort of have to here. Or not. I just travel so much that yeah. like buying produce, perishable things, like I just. I'm home for 36 hours, and then I'm gone for a month. So, yeah. And I live alone. I don't dislike cooking, but it's not like a passion of mine. So I like to go out fun to fun restaurants, eating out. I like to buy first-class tickets. I fly a lot, and I think my rule is, like, if I'm going past the state of Texas, it has to be first class. Okay. I'm going on an hour trip. I don't care where I sit. Like, it's whatever. So I always spend money on that. I believe money should make your life easier. Valet. I'll always do valet parking. Anything that like adds a little bit of luxury and makes it easier, I can. If I can throw money at a problem, I do that. I don't. I don't have any. No one depends on me. Like I don't have kids. I don't have anything like that. Where you know, and I've saved up money. So I don't know. I try to be responsible enough. I try to live a life where if I want to buy something, I buy it. Barring out like a brand new car, but like I like perfume. I like T-shirts. I like tank tops. But I'm a pretty simple person. Like I don't collect stuff. You know, I don't have like. PlayStation or something like that. The things that I enjoy doing don't really require money. I read somewhere that you love doing nothing. I do. That's a cheap thing. I, I guess. sort of just putter around the house. You need time to, and I hate, it took me a very long time to wrap my mind around this. You need time to do nothing. It's not even watching TV necessarily. I read a lot. I can tell. No, oh, You need time to just be in your home and be quiet and not put the pressure on yourself to work. Sometimes I'll go like weeks without writing a joke and I allow that because your brain's just kind of like resetting. So I like to move around. I like to organize things and I don't know. I used to like to bake. I don't know. Just sort of doing nothing. Go to the gym. I know this sounds boring, but like you always feel good after you go to the gym. It's, and it's an investment in your future or just making where you live comfortable so you can unwind. So that way you can do battle when you've got to leave your house. Do you do stupid games on your iPhone? I do not. Okay. I have no games on my iPhone. I think it is so gross when adults play games on their iPhone. I'm sure if you have some, that's fine. It's okay if you do. I just think that... I think so too. Okay, cool. Really. I mean, 
Do you have so many games? Is that that uh, look? Yeah, yeah. So many games? Like Candy Crush? I'm a big Candy Crusher, yeah. I downloaded it because yeah. I was like, this must be something special if everybody's into it. And then I hit this level and they're like, in-app purchases. And I was like, I don't want to keep giving you a dollar every time I need to buy a new gem or something. The reason I think that, the whole that it's gross, I was on an airplane recently and there was a woman sitting next to me who was gross. She was just like, she had her long nails painted and everything was like bedazzled like diamond flip-flops, and she had her hair teased, frosted highlights. Like she was like some gross guy's like trophy wife, but she wasn't hot. She was just like whatever. And her husband was there, and he like worshipped her. And she was gross, but had all the accoutrement of someone that was very taken care of. And everything she said, he was like, yes, dear, of course. Like she, and again, not an attractive woman, but like liken her to like a Kobe beef cow, like had been very well taken care of. And she was sitting there, pink bejeweled iPad case, tacky nails tacky diamond rings and she was just sitting there playing candy crush Hmm. on this mini computer that can do so many amazing things not reading a book not watching a movie not doing anything necessarily to expand your horizons and i just thought that way and she was like probably 50 something and i thought it was the grossest thing i understand that absolutely what you said about sort of idling around the house and not doing anything I, i mean that's what that is for me sure that is sort of like just shutting off your brain because it works too much otherwise. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, I don't begrudge anyone that choice. Well, a little bit you do. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I would never be mean to you about it. It's just not something I would choose to do. That being said, it isn't as if I'm digesting The New Yorker. No. Like, every week, you know? So, and we have, there are plenty of times where I will watch garbage TV and just sit there and do nothing. Or just like refresh my Facebook page over and over and over. So I'm not better than anyone. I just, I think putting it, if I had a game on my phone, I would be anxious that I wasn't doing something better. Yeah, that's a good advice in a way. Speaking of junk TV, I was so happy to go by Pump, the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I watched, there's several franchises, right? There's New York, there's Beverly Hills. When they first came out, I watched all of them for years. And then literally one day... Something hit me, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I just stopped cold turkey, (laughs) and I was fine. (laughs) But those shows bother me because while they provide opportunities for women, it's really showcasing the worst side of all these women. And the whole – the shows hinge on getting them to fight with each other. And what they always fight over are these intangibles. Are you a good mother? Are you still fertile at fucking 56? Who's the youngest? Who's the most business savvy with their husband's money? You know, they're always trying to prove who's better. And they all they do is get together and like and it's fake fighting and it's fake feuds and then we get invested and it's just garbage. Most of them didn't go to college and made bad choices in life and now they're living it up. Like they're all just a little tacky. It so is. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be like them. What do you know about your future? I know tonight what will happen. I know my immediate future. I know some plans for the long future, but don't you have a dog anymore? I have a dog. Yeah, you do. She's at home because I had a meeting before this. I know that one day she will be dead, yeah. but she's okay now. Yeah, that's good. I don't know anything. I just have faith in good things. I'm an absolute realist. I'm not an optimist because I think that's insane, but I'm not a pessimist. I think being a realist about things like I've done five pilots. So the one that I'm about to do would not be surprised if it didn't become a show, but I hope that it does. So I think if life is about experience so that when bad things happen, you're not totally shocked. <laughs> I know that I will keep doing stand-up 
on bigger and better stages. I know by next year I'll be doing hopefully all theaters. I know that my hair probably won't grow past this length despite all my efforts to take vitamins. And I know that... Why is that? It just doesn't... It kind of just stops. Just kind of... I pretty much have your haircut. Yeah. We're basically the same. We were the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Well... We're the same person. Yeah. Okay. I know that I'll be at the improv tonight. I don't know much. Okay. But you do have faith. I do have faith. That's great. I know what I know. Are you worried about the world? Yeah. But I think everyone's always been worried about the world. Since we were able to communicate with each other on a massive level, I think we've been worried about the world. I often question if it's any worse than it was, or we just have ways of knowing how bad it is now because of social media. Probably. Yeah. I worry that Donald Trump will become our president. I worry that North Korea will just go fucking nuts and something horrible will happen. I worry that people are going to bomb Israel into oblivion. I worry that people are going to get dumber. Have you been to Israel? Yes. I worry mostly for our country, my country. I worry for like the status quo just getting lower and lower and people just getting dumber and dumber and accepting ideas that aren't okay. And I think women are on an upswing. I don't worry for women's rights, but it is a battle. So, yeah, I worry that our future, that people are going to be stupid. And I worry that we're killing the environment. I worry that nobody does their part and we're all just so selfish. My mom bought me a a metal cup holder today to put like a lot of paper cups in because she was like buying all the odds and ends for me and I was like what is this metal cup for she's like it holds the paper cups and I was like why are we holding paper cups she was like for when you take your like vitamins or your pills and I was just like I just put my mouth to the sink I cannot like the idea of throwing away a paper cup every time and I'm sure there are times where I waste things but I was like if I can help you have to return that I can't I worry that people use Keurigs and we're just putting fucking foil into the world like into the ground and I worry a lot about environmental stuff. I try to do my part, but I worry that nobody is really paying attention. I mean, you can't be a touring comedian if you would sort of go 100% into that. Or no. you have to go by car. No, you can't go by car. You, you have to go by places. train. Oh, instead of by plane, you mean? Yeah, exactly. I think a plane's better because it's taking so many people. I'm not sure about that. Well, I don't know how much jet... F- I mean, I don't think you can compare the two saying me driving... One car all the way to New York versus a plane taking... Yeah, you can't... I mean, driving is not... That's not going to be good. Whoopi Goldberg takes a bus everywhere. She does? Yeah, she doesn't fly. She takes a bus? Not like a Greyhound, like her own bus, like a tour. Oh, okay. Tour. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. That's fine. That makes sense. Would you like to recommend something? <clears throat> I recommend make some popcorn. Is popcorn big in Sweden? Yeah. Okay. We have it. Yeah. Corn's like an American thing. We have too much of it and it's gross. Yeah. Make some popcorn... Salt and butter. Yeah. And do you have Sour Patch Kids? The candies? We don't, but I'm sure I'm, I'm bringing some home if a listener. <laughs> I, they, They're I, like a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go get them. Pour the Sour Patch Kids into the popcorn. Eat the popcorn with the Sour Patch Kids. It's the perfect combination of salty and sour and fruity and sweet. It's great. Fantastic. That's my, that's my recommendation. Do you go to the movies a lot? I don't. L.A., for being a movie town, we don't have that many theaters, and they're not very convenient to get to. But that's what is so great about Netflix, which is where you can find my comedy special. I watch... I'm a t- I love TV. I love television. I always have. I've always been more... I, I went to film school, but I'm a TV person. So I like TV. Watch TV. Watch a ton of TV. <laughs> Who do you think I should interview? You could interview Mark Maron. He's got a huge podcast. Probably- I actually did. You did? Yeah, back in 2012. Okay. Yeah. Who should you interview that would be really interesting? You could interview... Oh, what about Diane Antwoord? Interview them. 
All right. Because I know that they live sort of around my neighborhood and they have like a little girl who like you try to probably raise normally because you live here, but like you're these like crazy international DJs. That would be super cool just to hear there because no one sounds like them. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, you guys. It's you? been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. It was wonderful. You're lovely to be interviewed by. Oh, thanks. You're very good at it. You're very thorough and your questions weren't annoying and you kept the, a nice pace and it was never awkward and it was oddly soothing. <laughs> I love that you say that. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Ladies and gents, that was Eliza Schlesinger. That's so hard to say. But anyway, I wish I could tell you Eliza made me quit playing stupid games on my phone. But, well, actually, I'm sort of down to just the occasional hearthstone now. So I'm doing better. And I actually read a book or two in Greece. And if you want to stay up to date with Eliza, she is E-L-I-Z-A on Twitter. Yes, just that short and neat. We, on the other hand, or I, am uh, VarvetPod, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Editor of this podcast is Lovisa Olsson. Talk to you guys in two weeks again. Until then, I'm Christoph Triumph saying skål och hej. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.